She's not needy. She just loves you. We're recording. Oh. I'm being smothered by my cat. Cat is spitting out cat fur from her mouth because our third co-host decided to grace us with her presence today. There she is. Hi. Oh, she's purring. She's purring very loudly. Oh, God. I'm headbutting me. Oh, oh the Grand Duchess is actually being sweet today. Hello. Oh my god. She's like, wait, I don't know how I feel about you. <laughs> Anya, it's been years. I like her already. Oh my god. She loves me in her own Anya way. It's yeah, fine. She's just my screaming pantry. Everything's fine. <laughs> well, hello. Hello. Hello, dear listener. Oh, it is there. <laughs> We're doing it. Hello, dearest cat. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> What are we listening to? I don't even know anymore. I'm scared. <laughs> Anya ran away. Are you ringing the bells? She's learned that the bells are. Oh, how funny! A going out thing for the dogs. So she's like, "What if I ring them?" We are. are we're listening, listening to. to... Uh, ah! Okay, stop. <laughs> a, a difficult band. A difficult band. Which is what? A podcast about badass, sometimes mostly problematic women from history. This is gonna be one of those latter ones. Oh God. <laughs> This is gonna be one of those like, um, well, at least one of them. I yeah, we're gonna get into that. Oh my god! I'm not winking at you. I literally have cat fur in my eye. This is we're we're doing our very first choose your own adventure damsel yeah. episode. But one of them is um, she's not good. Sorry, that she's, was probably shouldn't have been done on the podcast. I apologize. Like, she's not good. She's, oh yeah, she's, she's she's not good. Great, but she's it's okay. Cool. She's fine. She's fine. But, I don't think, but that's, like, not great. I don't think those words should ever be synonymous. <laughs> I just feel like I don't. You're gonna get. You're. We're gonna do this episode or okay. the other one. We'll see. And you're gonna be like, she sucks, but she's fine. <laughs> like she's a terrible oh. human, but she's fine. Yeah, like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. and, but like, but like worse. But like worse. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh. oh, yeah? Who do you want to listen to? She's like, we're talking about me. Yeah, the Royal Duchess Anastasia. <laughs> we found her. She's back from the dead. She's been reincarnated into a cat. Yeah, and she screams just as much as a little bit. Oh. oh. My Amazon package is here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Darararara. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. This is my life. So, um, outside of... <laughs> The chaos that is Thor and Anya and cats. <laughs> everything. Zoom. Everything. Just everything. Um, <laughs> it is day one of my birthday week. Happy birthday week. Thanks. I'm a Virgo. As if you didn't Tuesday. know. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Do you get Monday off? I do. Okay. I'm going to my mother's to hang out. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be great. That'll be fun. It's <laughs> You'll great. have fun. Okay. Yeah. But we have presents. We have, well, well, I don't have presents. Rachel has presents. I have presents. I one. love presents. It's just the one. It's in a plastic bag because I, I don't wrap things. I've got all the wrapping, but do you need help? Or? I'm with so many things. I've child proofed it, guys. Um, <laughs> most of which you can't help me with. Only a professional can. Indeed. What are you, are you saying? I'm not a professional. Thor's helping me now. 
I'm saying if you were a professional and you were offering to help me in that way, you would charge me first. Oh, this is true. This is true. Oh my God. Why is it in another bag? With more knots. We, uh... We had some, uh, I don't even know, do we call it technical issues? No, no, no. We had environmental issues. <laughs> I had to get the battery replaced on my car, so you won't notice anything, but... Anya screaming. <laughs> that hasn't changed. No, that's the same. <laughs> anyway, I was about to open my present when, like, chaos happened. Chaos ensued. <laughs> so, finish this. It's probably really annoying. You rewrapped it? I tied it less tight. This is not less tight. It's a little less tight. It's nice. Why is your voice so high? Because you literally made it harder. <laughs> oh, it is a bastard! <laughs> so, guys, I've had <laughs> I've had this bastet statue for quite some time, and every time Rachel came over, she made a comment about it. So, I finally found it again. I like want to give you a hug. Can you, I give you a you hug? Can give me a hug. But like later. Yeah, so later. We're not sitting. It's not awkward. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you liked it. Because I was like, did she like it? I feel like she liked yes, it. Yes, no, sure. I love it so much. So now I you have it. Now you have Bestet to watch. It looks like she's looking up at you when you hug her. I just she looks, know. look at her. Look she's at those eyes. beautiful. We'll put a picture online. Hell yeah. Yeah. Can we she's, a, she's a beautiful, hefty Bestet statue. I have one in my house she's to very protect hefty. my house. This so. is very much like somebody comes near yeah. me and I can clock them in the head. She has a, a beautiful earring and a beautiful scarab beetle mm. necklace and... If you've listened to our first goddess episode, Kat talked about Bastet. Is that our first one? Yep. Fuck yeah, it was. And um, Bastet, basically, uh, the go- she's the goddess of protection for the pharaoh, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of um, Egyptians. Among other things. <laughs> yeah, among other things. That's what the gods are. Because they all choose multiple mm. things out of a hat, as yeah, we yeah. talked about. Yeah. Um, but Egyptians would keep a little bastet in their house to basically look after their house from intruders and dark yep. energy. And that's why everyone loved cats in ancient yes. Egypt. Yes, because they were amazing. <laughs> and cats have not forgotten it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, happy birthday. Thank you so much. I love it. You were like, I don't know if you're going to, I hope you love it. I'm literally here like petting You guys, it. she was literally, we, we had um, food because we were hungry. Yes. And, um, Delicious tacos. Thanks, Kat. She was literally looking around my house like, is it that? Is it that? Is it that? I'm like, no, but now I know what to get you later. <laughs> I did so. name Bastet. And you were like, you I'm not telling you. Aren't I great? <laughs> oh, um, I love it. Okay. All right. So are here we ready? are. We're on episode 58. Are you guys ready? Are you? Damsels. I'm not sure. I'm, are you ready? I've got coffee in my podcast. Cup, I'm so. so... Okay. So before I get into this, before I... Don't look at... I'm look not at looking. It. I'm not shooting like you did last week. <laughs> so, <laughs> or the two weeks ago. Um, I've been writing these episodes for about a month and a half. Hell yeah. And they're done. I've Fuck yeah. just finished them. I'm now going through and I'm um, like pr- uh, practicing them. Yeah. But I have been... This is... These are, uh, we're going to find out. This story, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's going to take a couple of episodes to tell you, is one of the most unhinged, batshit, crazy stories from history I have oh, ever man. had the privilege of reading <laughs> and sharing with you now. Yes. So, I'm going to set the scene for you. Are you ready? I'm fucking ready. Dear listener, are Dear you ready? listener. Okay. Why is that weird colors? I don't know. Mm. Don't the background look. is gray. I can't even. See. I don't have it my glasses matter. on. I can't see. It's fine. It looks gray. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the text is bigger too, but it's fine. That's fine. 
Okay. I still can't see it. I'm that blind. <laughs> you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Rome has fallen. She's making direct eye contact with me. <laughs> at least over in the West. After the Western Roman Empire falls, two kingdoms begin to emerge from the wreckage. Over in the East, in a former Greek colony known as Byzantium, emerges the city of Constantinople. From here, the Roman Empire continues as the Byzantine Empire. It will grow to be one of the most dominating superpowers in the world for the next 1,000 years. Over in Europe, another dynasty emerges that will cover the span of modern-day France, Belgium, Luxembourg, Western and Southern Germany, the Netherlands, and parts of Swither- Switzerland. Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland. It's a new state. <laughs> Country. This will become the Merovingian dynasty, a.k.a. France's first dynasty. Oh, hell yeah. The Merov- what again? Merovingian. I've never heard that. Before. You are going to learn a lot about them, my oh, friend. Yeah. is about to come <laughs> up onto your laptop, so there's that. <laughs> Just as Emperor Constantine converted the Roman Empire to Christianity, Clovis emerges to do the same in Francia. You can think of Clovis as being to Francia what Alfred the Great was to England. Okay. Following his death, Clovis's son. Oh, wow, he was there for a second. Yes, just a second. <laughs> there he's, and gone. Bye, Clovis. It was great just, to meet you. Just you. Know, you just need to know the name. So he has, <laughs> you did great. <laughs> he has a son named Clothar who inherits the kingdom of Francia. Clovis and Clothar? Oh, get used to uh, lots of C names. Ugh. Be prepared. <laughs> so there's like not a lot of name duplications, which might make it worse. But they all worse. sound familiar. Yes. Like they all sound like they just added a weird suffix at the end. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> Clovis and Clothar. <laughs> what Clovis managed to accomplish by uniting the various tribes under one banner is undone after the death of Clothar as the family delved into a huge civil war. Clothar, when do they not? <laughs> Clothar had four sons, and to four of them went four kingdoms. Oh, okay. The kingdoms of Aquitaine, Burgundy, Austrasia, and Neustria. Austrasia. And this is where our story begins. From this point, two women emerge to take power. They will fight, scheme, connive, and murder their way from the bottom to the top. And they will be pitted opposite of one another, fighting for dominance over a powerful kingdom that will rise to rival the likes of Byzantine. One woman becomes the queen of the kingdom of Austrasia. The other rises from servant to the most one-note evil villain that may have ever been recorded in history. Servant? She was a slave. Oh, fuck yeah. She was a slave uh-huh. turned queen. How does that? Okay. Right, you're going to tell me eventually. She'll become the queen of Neustria. Hmm. They may perhaps be two of the most vicious, ruthless, and power-hungry queens that you have never heard of. Predictably, their stories come to us filtered through the lens of the men who would have viewed their reigns as an abomination. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Their names are Brunhild and Fredegund. Yes. And this is their story. Hell yeah, Ben. So now we play a game of Choose Your Own Adventure Damsel. We have Brunhild... The warrior queen who started as a princess from Visigoth, Spain, or Hispania. And we have Fredegin, 
the slave turned queen who murdered her way across Europe. I want the murderer. <laughs> I knew you would. I want, I, I think I know who Brunhild is, but I want the murderer. <laughs> I knew you would. And I start this off and, strong. And what did we say? Oh See, yeah. I, I was like, it's funny because you know me like, so well. You were, you were like, oh, I think I'm going to pick Brunhild. And I was like, just give it a second. Just give it a second. So you, you want, I've already written Fredigan and Brunhild. Um, so we will start with Fredigan because that has been chosen by Kat. That has been chosen. You cannot fight me if you didn't want it. You'll get the other one later. You will. And it actually, I think it actually makes sense to do Fredigan first uh-huh. for reasons um, that I'm not going to explain. Okay. Well, but... you will right now. <laughs> It'll make sense at the very end of Brunhild. Oh, bullshit. That's so far away. It is. <laughs> it's going to be like two months away. Oh, no. All right. So I don't have to do that. That'll be for Brunhild. Um, cool. So before I get into this really quick, we are going to talk about the first dynasty of France, uh-huh. which was the Merovingian dynasty. And the thing about these kings is they all had very long, luxurious locks. Long, flowing locks, as it were. <laughs> it was a. Um, it was very much a status symbol. And any of the princes who had long hair were considered the heirs. And the thing, the thing they did to really like just mix you Sorry. from the line of succession. Guess they cut what? your hair. Yes. <laughs> they cut your oh hair. Oh my god! How ridiculous! <laughs> and this is gonna happen a couple of times. That's ridiculous. That's- you cannot rule anymore. Why? Because you have a bone cut. You have no hair. <laughs> no hair, no kingdom. Oh my god. That's terrible. So I have in one of my books, like you can't be, you can't rule if you don't have your wings. Like even if you lost them in battle, like you can't <laughs> rule. But it's different when it's hair. Like yep. your hair has been cut. So therefore, isn't that a thing in Game of Thrones? The no. the the no the the dudes that uh, Danny the married the dudes. If they get their hair cut, they can't. Oh, if their braid is cut, yeah, because they lost in battle. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Your hair's cut. You're fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a thing they did publicly too. It was like not just like put your hair up all the time, then just like don't leave it down. <laughs> Be like, look at this crown on my head of hair, but I'm the not crown it down for the safety. Flowing locks. <laughs> God. Anyway, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> we don't care about the kings. I mean, we do, and we'll be talking about them. I'm but just like, so, we're here. It's amazing. Like, if you lose your hair. <laughs> Yeah. So the women are like, look at my hair, fucker. Yeah. Oh, they there there's some descriptions of women's hair in this that we're gonna get to. (laughs) Bet they're ridiculous. Oh, you're gonna love it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Brunhild has the description, so you're gonna have to wait about a month. But (laughs) okay. So the story of Fredigan is one of the most unhinged, nefarious, wicked, and outrageous stories I have ever had the privilege, maybe, of learning about. (laughs) Maybe. As I read more and more about her and her downright evil and depraved exploits were revealed one after the next, it was hard not to picture her as the most one-dimensional evil Disney villain that has ever existed. Anya is upset. <laughs> um, she's basically think if Elizabeth Bathory and Catherine de Medici had a child. Oh shit! Yes, That's problematic. <laughs> yes, put it back. <laughs> put it back. Yes, put it back. Put it back. (laughs) But just know that her story was largely written by her enemies. Yes, that's true. Chief among them, and you're going to remember this name because he's going to come up a lot, 
was Bishop Gregory of Tours, a man who was closely allied with Redigan's rival, Brunhild. Oh, well, of course he, he was her bestie. Her. Yes. <laughs> that being said, the details may have been embellished, but most of her story is believed to be true. And I a mean, lot the of it was probably bad. still happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? She's like, I'm here for Fredigan. She's here. She's ready. This is, she's like, she, I was Fredigan in a past Anya's life. laying on the uh, character <laughs> chart I got from hand drawn character chart that I got from. You're uh, welcome. Rachel. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Fredigan may possibly be one of the worst women we will ever cover on this podcast. I mean, you've been warned. Okay. <laughs> But I'll leave you with the following disclaimer I always leave for any woman whose image was crafted by the men that hated them. See, dude, Anya knows. Anya's here for it. I feel like she really is like Fred again is channeling her. She's like, yeah. oh, the men. Don't murder anyone. <laughs> Take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do a salt circle because I feel like it's important. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So a little. Okay. Oh, buddy. my God. What's wrong? This is my life. <laughs> you guys wonder why I'm so high stress all the time. It's because I got cats growling at each other. Oh, I'm going to start growling and hissing at people. It'll be fun. You already do. I do. It's not long. <laughs> okay. So um, a little bit on her name. I'm going to call her Fredigund, but you'll, if you look her up online, she's sometimes called Fredigunda or Fredigund, um, which is spelled F-R-E-D-E-G-O-N-D-E. Huh? I feel like that might have been. Fredigunde. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been like the French pronunciation. I feel like that's a Hispania, <laughs> Hispania pr- uh, pronunciation. She's been called the Queen of Neustria, the Queen of Soissons. Soissons? What the fuck? That's <laughs> the name of a city. Got it. Great. <laughs> and the Queen of the Franks. Um, but okay. for the purpose of our episodes, I will mostly refer to her as the Queen of Neustria. At some point, I will also refer to her as the Queen of Franks. All right. Fredigan was born sometime in the year of... We don't know. We uh, like at all. Okay. We have no idea. Great. It was likely sometime in the mid 500s. Yeah, because who cares if women are born? Well, she was a slave. Oh yeah. I forgot. I forgot that one. <laughs> small detail. About. One small detail. So now I really don't care. Yeah. So I mean, she, guys, we do, but they didn't. <laughs> she she basically of all of the women we've covered, I don't think any woman comes from more humbler like beginnings. Um, Not even the pirate queen who was a prostitute. Yeah, I would say even, like, she was, we know she was likely, like, kidnapped and bought with her Ooh, family. that's problematic. Yes. It's normal, though, for yes. slaves, unfortunately. Yes. Okay. Um, and she's also basically the complete opposite of Brunhild, because Brunhild was a princess from one of the most powerful kingdoms of so the time. So born and raised for this role. Yes. All right. The most we know about Fredigan's parents were that um, they were lowborn, and as mentioned, she was probably a slave that was kidnapped somewhere north of modern-day France. That's that's literally all we know. So can we be mad that she murders a bunch of people? Yes. <laughs> For legal reasons, yes, obviously. Uh, <laughs> For legal reasons. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Get into it. Ready for it. Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> um, and Fredigan herself forbade people from speculating about her origins. Ooh, I like it. She's like, I'm a mysterious person. You're yes. welcome. Don't talk about me. Do not ruin the mystery. <laughs> I don't know why she had to have that accent. <laughs> Outside of knowing she was a slave, the chroniclers tell us that Fredigan was very beautiful. Um, and I believe they wrote that she was pale skinned and had strawberry blonde hair. Oh, fun. 
As we'll find out, Fredigan was especially clever and wily. It's been suggested that she may have even been literate because she was rumored to have been able to read and speak Latin. The blasphemy. This would have been extremely unusual for someone with her background. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, your average run-of-the-mill kitchen slave didn't even know how to read. So the fact that she knew Latin, yeah. among other things we will discuss. She likes mystery. She She's the type of woman, if she wants to do something, she commits herself to do it. I love that for her. She enters the pages of history and our story as a slave that started working in the kitchens. From there, she was elevated to serving girl for King Shilperic's first wife, Ottavera. And from here is where our story starts to get scandalous. Oh, fun! After becoming one of Ottavera's handmaidens, Fredigan caught the eye of Ottavera's husband, King Shilperic of Neustria. And not long after, she becomes his mistress. Damn it! All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about King Shilperic. He's pretty big in our story. Shilperic. Shilperic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm five. So King <laughs> Shilperic was the fourth son of King Clothar, the king of the Franks. Clothar had worked hard, just as his father King Clovis had, to unite the Frankish kingdoms under one banner. But he had the unfortunate fate to produce four sons and made the not-so-wise decision to break up his kingdom into fourths again and leave his four sons to rule them independently. <laughs> that never works out. <laughs> this is essentially the crux of our story. Hell yeah. So a little bit on Shulpric and his four brothers. So the eldest is not on there because he's not important. <laughs> wow. <laughs> his name is Sherbert. He was the king of Aquitaine, which was in the west. I'm also I'm going to find a map for you so you can see this. We'll probably take a picture of this map and put it online. Oh, yeah. Rachel writes in her books. I want to beat her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, well, I had, like, it's I'm so kidding. weird. When I write my episodes, sometimes I underline shit and then write it. And the other times I physically write it out in a notebook. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no rhyme or reason. Okay. So we're looking at a map of Francia in 561. Or is it Francia? Uh, Francia. I don't want to say Francia. So it's uh, Aquitaine was west. Okay. The second son was Guntram, the king of Burgundy, to the east. Guntram. There's Guntram. All right. There's nobody else in Burgundy because we don't care. <laughs> Sorry, Burgundy. Like, Guntram's important, but Burgundy is whatever. <laughs> the third was Sigebert, the king of Austrasia, to the Austrasia. northeast. Austrasia. And he is Brunhild's husband. Oh, okay. And then the baby was Schilpric, the king of Neustria, which was the northeast and the smallest kingdom. That's right here. These are very, like, Nordic names. I know. Okay. Well, there's a, a lot <laughs> of the Germanic tribes are basically sweeping through. Yeah. Yeah, Europe. Yeah. Between the Germanic tribes and the Celtic tribes, that's kind right. of how you get the You also early... have the Anglo-Saxons up yes. top <laughs> in the north. Which were... As it were. They started as German tribes, I believe. Yeah. And then they... I think. I'm like not 100% on well, that. Wow, Rachel's giving us wrong. I could be. Might be. I don't know. <laughs> oh. So Schoeperick likely suffered from youngest child syndrome and engaged in several duck measuring contests with his older brothers to assert his own importance. I feel like that's just the brothers thing. Well, especially if you live in a competitive household and like the royal household seems like it might be competitive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you see his kingdom is so tiny. Yeah. He's got like the littlest kingdom. Oh, he's like, my dick is small. Yeah. <laughs> Napoleon, calm down. He seemed to have an especially combative relationship with his brother, Sigebert of Austrasia. So Sigebert, remember that name? Brunhild, mm -hmm. husband and wife, mm -hmm. Austrasia. And then Schilperic, 
for Neustria with Fredekind. Okay. Just to give you an idea of how conniving and wily Schulpert could be, his brother Sigurbert had been busy fending off a tribe of Avars, who were the successors to Attila the Hun's legacy. Ooh, interesting. Um, basically, from the borders of Francia, and he did this to protect his kingdom and his brother's kingdoms. <laughs> so, mostly his. <laughs> no, no, all of them, truly. Sigurbert called on the aid of his brothers to help him fend off the barbarians, and Schulpert conveniently decided not to show. Conveniently decided to be a, <gasps> a prick? Yes. <laughs> Not only did he ignore the call, but he chose that moment to attack Sigebert's territories while he was busy with the Avars. Wow. Yeah, that's, that is Schilperic, okay? <laughs> okay? So, an afternoon. <laughs> the sources of the period tell us that Fredegan bewitched Schilperic, writing that he was besotted with her to the point that he may have married her while still being married to Ottavera at the same time. It's amazing that every dumbass male move happens to be because a woman performed witchcraft on him like yes can you fight me please like no man has any agency they, of his own they it don't make dark stupid arts. decisions by themselves they always have help and it's of the female variety meanwhile she's like are you fucking can you not do this right now so not long after taking up with fred again she manages to convince him to set aside his first wife Schulperic was all too happy to oblige and sent Audevera off to a convent. This happens a lot with the Merovingian kings. They just decide they're done with their wives and they're like, okay, you can go to a convent now. I love how it happens a lot with every king known to man. Like, <laughs> just yeah. some of them can get away with it a little easier than the others. But don't you worry. I just love the sad face on her. Audevera will be back. Yeah, her, she's... Her she's... frown turns upside down? Mm. Oh, her <laughs> frown turns into a straight line? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Rachel! <laughs> um, but the key thing to know, Audevera okay. already provided Schilperic with three healthy, legitimate adult sons. Why is that going to be a problem later on? <laughs> Not that that's going to stop Fredigan. <laughs> <laughs> when chroniclers wrote of Fredigan's rise from kitchen wench to the king's most favorite companion, they do credit her cunning and intelligence in accomplishing such a task. Fredigan is written as being very ruthless observant and above all things very patient oh no shit she went from a slave to a queen like that takes yes. all of those <laughs> think of her as being the queen's maid slipping in and out of the room unnoticed largely in part because she was a woman which meant she was already undervalued to begin with but she was also a servant a position considered less than human and not worth paying attention to fredigan was aware of her status and used it to her advantage yeah, I'm amazed, like, not more people, not more people, more people in <laughs> royalty and in, uh, like, nobles and, and lords and all that stuff didn't do that. Like, I'm sorry, but if I were royalty or if I was royalty adjacent, you bet your ass I'd have an army of freaking house, the household yes. staff as my freaking yeah. spies. <laughs> Are you, like, reading my notes? No, I'm just that awesome. <laughs> Very strategic. <laughs> uh, there's a reason, like, nobility did not trust their servants after Fredigand. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I already just told you. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, people had no qualms speaking in front of the human furniture. They oh. did not expect such a creature would memorize these conversations and then whisper them into ears that would gladly welcome that information. What else do they have to do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Naturally... Any woman exhibiting any kind of skill or talent of the time 
was also viewed through the superstitious lens of early Christianity. Many contemporaries of the time openly speculated that Fredegan's rise to power was also attributed to an interest in the dark arts, a.k.a. she was a witch. Fuck yeah, she was. (laughs) (laughs) But one should always beware the man or woman that so readily sets aside another wife or one wife for the other. For who is to say that he or she won't do it to you later down the road? No shit. (laughs) Chopric proved to be the rule rather than the exception here. Following the death of their oldest brother, who conveniently had not sired any legitimate male sons, the three remaining brothers divided up the territory amongst themselves. With the territory Chopert gained from his brother's death, he suddenly had more territory added to his kingdom in eastern Aquitaine, which meant he himself was suddenly more of a lucrative sort of bachelor. (laughs) You're not a bachelor, bro. You married. (laughs) You're not a bachelor. That's not the rule. (laughs) Chilperic apparently adored Fred again, but she alone was not enough to face off against his brother Sigebert and Sigebert's new, beautiful, and wealthy Visigoth bride, the Princess Brunhild. Brunhild! So Brunhild was everything Fred again was not. She was the daughter of nobility. She was educated in a manner that had generally been reserved for the men of the period, and she was viewed upon as a respectful and powerful bride. So the thing to know about these four, now three brothers, outside of Sigebert, the others are kind of known to be philanderers. They're um, they're slumming it up with women who were considered, like... Less. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't noble. They weren't respectable. Yeah. Sigebert goes... So like every other male royalty. Yeah. Male royal. Sigebert was like, <laughs> my wife needs to be important. Fuck yeah. And he reaches out to Visigoth Spain. Um, so when you hear of the barbarian tribe of the Goths that the Romans used to fight, it is this tribe that Brunhild is from. And they go on to be the, to start one of the earliest kingdoms in what is now modern-day Spain. Hell yeah. Chilperic wanted something similar, and he decided he wanted to marry the next best thing to Brunhild. He wanted Brunhild's older sister Galswintha. 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 To Who was this? Sorry. <laughs> Which king? Shulpric. Oh, the, the married one. one. The yeah, one yeah. with Fred again. Yeah. Married one. To ah! obtain Galswintha, Shulpric offered a magnanimous bride gift to her. Should he die before Galswintha could produce an heir, or should the two de- decide to divorce, Galswintha would be able to return to her home in Hispania with all of Chilperic's newly gained southern territories. Jesus. I'm sorry. Was he not married to... Forget, forget, I forget her name. We don't know. Okay. He So he just kind of like set his wife aside and then like was like, hey, love me, but I'm not going to marry you. Set her aside. Oh. In quotations. Oh, God. Which I'm... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you said she lived. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Well... <laughs> oh no. So Galswintha's father accepted the offer, but he had one condition. Schilperic was to swear a solemn oath, known as Sacramentum, to renounce all other women in his life. Also known as keep your dick in your pants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it says. Like Yeah, in that's the fine text. print. Yeah. <laughs> the the footnote what this defined as. 
This was in line with um, their Christian beliefs that a man was to lay only with his lawful wife, and this would have barred Shilprick from taking any concubines or mistresses. Although the contract did not specify which woman this was in reference to, everyone knew that the contract was a direct reference to Fredegund. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they had to have a written contract drawn to bar Shilprick from having her as a mistress, official or not, spoke to the power she already wielded over him. <laughs> Shilprick accepted the conditions and he agreed to send Fredigan away. Wow. What do you think Fredigan does, just out of curiosity? Doesn't leave. <gasps> Kills her. <laughs> Shilprick staged one of the most dramatic theatrical performances to greet his new, wealthy, and powerful bride. When Galswintha and her entourage made it to the city of Rouen, she found Shilprick and his entire army waiting for her. She's like, oh, this is a, a bit much, man. Well, <laughs> oh no. when the young, blushing bride appeared before them, Shilprick ordered his army to kneel before their new queen and pledge their allegiance oh, to her. Yeah, okay, then I'd be like, yes. <laughs> he was like, this land is yours and my men are yours. This land is your land. <laughs> this land is my land. song didn't even exist. <laughs> this land is mostly my land. But, it but we'll pretend it's your, your land. <laughs> contract <laughs> the marriage between Shilprick and Galswintha appeared to be something out of a fairy tale Gregory of Tours wrote that Shilprick was absolutely smitten with his beautiful new bride but things quickly deteriorated between the two yeah because it's not a fairy tale when you already had a girl and it wasn't long before the two were openly fighting with one another yes. not long literally weeks <laughs> it took weeks <laughs> the source oh. Fredigan. <laughs> I always, like, want to say her name, and then I, like, second-guess myself, and I'm like, it's wrong. I can't do it. <laughs> I spelled it wrong so much I'm in the beginning. I'm going to call her Freddie. <laughs> Freddie. Yeah. Freddie was not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Despite pledging to honor the oath not to take any other mistress to bed, naturally, Shilprick was a piece of shit. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't long before Fredigan was back in his loving embrace. It was her witchcraft. It was her witchcraft and her womanly wows. <laughs> and according to the sources, Galswintha found the two of them in bed. Oh, shit. We might imagine that Fredigan was the sort of woman who would have arranged to make it so Galswintha yeah. found them. Yeah, she's like, hey, house housemaid of the <laughs> new queen, do me a solid, because we were friends once. Yes, um, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need you to bring her to his room at this time. Exactly. <laughs> And once, if things go exactly as I plan them to, you'll be my handmaiden and I will take care of you. And we'll have great fun. We'll play chess every night. <laughs> <laughs> Outraged that Shulperic had broken the agreement to not take anyone else to bed, Galswintha planned to abandon her husband and return home to her father. A few days later, she was found strangled in her bed. Oh, that's not very good. Oh, how coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> King Shilprick did not bother to observe any sort of mourning period. Three Whoa. days after Galswintha died, a new shotgun wedding had been hastily arranged. Oh, dude. When Fredigan emerged for the wedding, she was wearing the most expensive of silks, and people observed she was also wearing the gemstones and jewels that had belonged to Galswintha. Oh, shit. Do you think it was him or her who did it? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get into that. We can make a guess. 
The wedding might have been carelessly put together in a matter of days, but Fredigan's ambitions were finally realized after a couple of hard years of planning. From slave and kitchen wench to queen's, hand, to queen's handmaiden to king's mistress, Fredigan was now a queen herself. The marriage of Fredigan and Shilprick became everyone's new favorite topic of gossip. Yeah. People openly accused Shilprick of having Galswintha murdered, and some even speculated he did the deed himself. But there are a few chroniclers that add a little more color to the story, suggesting that Fredigan looked on as Shilprick did the deed. This, I can see that. This was a popular <laughs> subject in medieval paintings and art, and I have one on here that I'll show you at the end. Yes! I just I just like that, picturing that scene, like yes. as terrible as it is. Yes. I just like that she's sitting there like, do it, and then yes. he does it, and she gets like this weird little glee about it. Yeah, she's like getting off on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then my smut reading ass is like, and then they did it on the floor of below oh, her dead body. One hundred percent, they they probably did it next to her. Yeah, <laughs> Fredigan has no shame, and neither oh, does Shilprick. <laughs> there was one person who took the news of Galswintha's death particularly hard. Her father? No. When word finally reached Galswintha's sister Ooh. in the northern kingdom of Austrasia, because remember, she is a sister of Brunhild. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This came just months after Brunhild learned that their father had also died. Oh, no. Yeah. So Brunhild's like, well, now I'm angry. <laughs> Brunhild was devastated. So was I. <laughs> the poet Fortunatus, um, he is also, he's like, think of him as Dandelion from oh, okay. The Witcher, but in Brunhild's court. Okay. So he wrote of the event. Fortunatus wrote of the event. Toledo has sent you two towers, Gaul. The second lies broken, but the first still stands. Galswintha's death paved the way for two major events. The first was Fredigan's ascension as queen. The second was Brunhild's rage. The second was the birth of a rivalry between two women that would last for 40 years. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> this rivalry will go on to forge some of the borders of Western Europe still in place to this day. That's crazy. That is the official intro to our story. Yes! <laughs> it only took like a half an hour. I love it! <laughs> I love how that's the intro. That is the intro. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Yes. Uh, that's crazy. Brunhild will never forgive them. Yeah. And she will never rest until her sister's memory is brought to justice. Yeah. From the onset of her queenship, Fredigan was called an upstart. Everyone across the kingdoms openly spoke of it. Fredigan used her experience as a kitchen slave turned handmaiden to establish a network of like-minded spies within the kingdom of Neustria. Yeah. She enlisted bedmates, cooks, washboys and washgirls, stable boys, and various other people in positions of servitude, to serve as her ears and her eyes around the kingdom. Somebody make this a movie, but also make them assassins. <laughs> yes. yes. Well. <laughs> yes. Fredigan understood the backwards thinking of the nobility, trusting they would continue to be loose-tongued around anyone they perceived as less than human. Yeah, because we kind of ruined it. <laughs> no, she didn't. Oh, she didn't. So they still, okay. At the end of the day, Fredigan knew who every bishop was sleeping with and which nobleman or woman had boldly proclaimed an advantage or a grudge for another member of court. Yeah. She was not only the queen of Neustria, she was its spy master. Hell yeah! I like her. 
I knew you until would. Until the murder. Until, until the murder starts. I mean, the murder has started. It started. Te- technically. We don't know if she did it. Yo. Yo? Jesus. Buckle up. Oh, <laughs> There's yeah. some we know she did. Tighten the seatbelts. Okay, let's do this. Lonnie's ready. Following the murder of his previous wife, Shulperic was soon called to appear for a trial for his actions put on by his two older brothers, Sigebert and Guntram. Okay. Predictably. Ugh. Shulperic ignored the summons. <laughs> Um, Sir, you can't just do that. Like he, he he's like, you letter. want me to come to answer for my no. He immediately gets, no. I, I picture him getting she, the letter. She strangled herself. <laughs> she did. I saw it happen. It was suicide. I saw her head. He so. was like, he just like tosses it in the fire. And he's like, I don't know what summons you're talking what about. Are you speaking of, I didn't receive anything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, his brothers knew he would do this. Um, so they brought the trial to him. So they they use it as the impetus to like invaded his kingdoms that's fair i mean they brought something to him yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you want don't want a trial fine you get a war okay so yeah they they basically invaded his lands on the pretense of claiming the bridal lands that had been promised to galswintha for her sister and heir brunhild those bridal lands are now considered blood money Ooh. So Brunhild not only wants justice for her sister, but she will do everything in her power to obtain those lands that were supposed to be her sisters. Oh yeah. I mean, that's valid. Yep. She's not like I wrong. S- I don't think I said this on the podcast, <laughs> but I was telling you, Fredigan is more fun, but Brunhild More is, fun in a terrible sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brunhild is the one you kind of end up rooting for. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> the only one you can feasibly root for without feeling like a terrible human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes. 100%. You're <laughs> like, look, I like you, but you murdered a lot of people. Yes. You murdered a lot of people. She's nasty. She's mean. Yeah. Like, we want to like Catherine, but like, you murdered a lot of people. I would say she makes Catherine look like Snow White. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe not as like, maybe not massacres, but yes, we'll get it. Now into I it. just imagine her as a Charlize Theron from. Yes. Snow White. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) So to make a long story short, uh, Shilperic loses against his brothers. He loses bad. Well, yeah. As more- You got two kingdoms coming against you with fury. (laughs) As more territory fell to his brothers, just to give you more of an idea of who Shilperic is, he burned his own cities and farms so that they couldn't take him. Look, I already didn't like him. (laughs) It was strong, yep. but now it's just like a f- full loathing. What a dipshit! I'm sorry. Okay. As his brother's armies approached their capital, which at the time was Soissons, Soissons, um, Fredegan, Schilperic, and their children were forced to flee to the city of Ternay. Did you burn that down too? We're just kidding. He didn't. <laughs> you know, because he needed it. <laughs> By this point. It was very clear that Sigebert and Brunhild were to be the victors. Um, Guntram is one of those figures, and he'll be in and out of our story. Guntram's like, I'm here. I just want to. I just want to be weaves, involved. He weaves in and out, and sometimes he's like, "This is more trouble than it's worth. I'm gonna go." So he's already gone. Is he the one who's single? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> he's gonna be in. He's like, I got some philandering to do over he's, here. <laughs> he's there in, in our entire story. He okay. will be back. He, okay. He'll be back. He's just like the drama fiend. He just shows up the second it's getting juicy. He's like, "Oh my god, guys, what's happening?" And then it, and then it, and then he gets bored. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like, "You know what? Mm, this gonna, is dumb. I'm, I'm gonna go." People are dying. I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> As Fredigan and her children bunkered down in preparation for a siege, we're told that 
Sigebert and Brunhild were already riding triumphantly into the city of Paris to claim it for the kingdom of Austrasia, and as a symbolic gesture of their supremacy over Schilperic and Fredegund. Um, and a little note on Paris that's really interesting at this time. Okay. It doesn't belong to any singular kingdom. They all claim it, so they're all <gasps> able to occupy it. But whoever does like have control of Paris is the symbolic king or queen of the Franks. The like the supreme one. Okay. So right now it's Sigebert and Brunhild. Okay. Right. Okay. So now I'm going to set a scene for you in the city of Tournay. Where's Tournay? Uh, it's in the north. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but that's where Fred again and Schilperic fled to. Okay. So here's the scene. Okay. Sigebert is hell bent on destroying his brother once and for all. As his armies approach Tournay, several of the cities and monasteries pledged to Schilperic turn cloak and flee to Sigebert's side. Yeah, that's valid. Several of Schilperic's high-ranking nobles also flee to Sigebert, seeing the writing on the wall. <laughs> yeah, they're like, please don't burn me. <laughs> Fred again has bunkered down with her two children, Rigunth, age six, and Clodebert, age four, in preparation for the siege. And those are her children with Schilperic. Yes. And one more thing. Doesn't he have three other kids? Yeah. We'll okay. Get, yeah, they'll, okay. They'll come in. Fredigan is pregnant. Oh, no. She's very pregnant. Oh, no. She's in her third trimester. Oh, no. She's in the last few weeks. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. That's horrible. We're told that Fredigan is pretty much on the eve of her labor when the siege starts. Oh, no. She and her entire family are having to endure the daily sounds of sentries blowing trumpets, arrows flying through windows, and siege engines battering walls and sending giant rocks into the city. This is what happens when you murder people. Everything is also burning because Sigebert's men have burned all the fields outside the fortress to, pre to prevent anyone from inside the city um, to venture out and forge for food. Oh no, that's a smart tactic, but oh no. So we can only imagine what a traumatic situation this would have been for Fredigan as she goes into labor <laughs> while a siege is raging outside oh, the no. keep. So in the end... Fredigan and the baby both survive, but contemporaries of the time observed that Fredigan was acting very strangely. Uh -oh. Gregory of Tours, who loves to paint a streak of villainy over anything having to do with Fredigan, uh -huh. tells us that she openly declared she wanted to have nothing to do with the child and she wished him dead. Oh no. But modern historians speculate that Fredigan was of the understanding that she and her family were about to die, either from starvation or from being put to the sword. Yeah. So oh, she no. was basically You're looking setting at, this up. Oh, no. She was, well, oh, no. she was looking at it as my family's going to die and whatever fate awaits this child um, is going to be worse than anything I do to him. She doesn't do anything to him. Oh, but that's, okay. That is what historians think like when they're looking at Well, she at, doesn't want to get attached to it. The yeah, well, she's like, we're going to die. Yeah. Like, we're going to die horrible deaths. And I don't want this poor kid to go through that. Either way, though, Fredigan's behavior scared the living shit out of Schulperic, and it forces him into action. Oh. And he ends up meeting with his advisors to try and orchestrate some, la some last-ditch effort to turn the war around. Interesting. Right around the time Fredigan gave birth to her son, um, his name is Samson, News reaches the city of Tournay that Sigebert was making his way toward the city and people of both Austrasia and Neustria were openly proclaiming him king of both kingdoms. 
It's entirely possible that when this news reached Fredigan, it was the catalyst needed to snap her outside of whatever psychosis or stupor she found herself in. Because snap out of it, she does. Oh, okay. We're told that Fredigan emerged from her bedchamber, still bleeding from labor and holding her aching breasts that would have been full of milk. And in the story, a disarmingly clear-headed Fredigan calls for two slave boys to come to her in her bedchamber, and she hatches a plan. Ooh. From here, Fredigan arms them with small hunting knives that are known as um, scramasaxes. Scramasaxes. <laughs> a scramasax. She then instructed them I to... I just imagine the saxophone now. It's ruined. It literally... <laughs> I, I have a picture of it. It literally just looks like a tiny hunting knife that you would use to skin a deer. Okay. She orders them to slip out of Tournay in the middle of the night during the siege and ride to the city of Artois, where Sigebert and his armies were gathering to celebrate and crown him as king of Neustria. Just so we're clear, this was to be a suicide mission, and there yeah. was no guarantee it would work. And to this day, we do not know the full details of how she pulled this off. Oh, no. What we do know is that the hunting knives were small enough that they would not be viewed as weapons if the two slave boys entered the camp. Basically, everybody was already turning cloaks. So yeah. Nobody would have really questioned it. Yeah. Plus, it's a camp on the eve of victory. They, they're yes. not paying attention. They're, they're like drinking. They're having fun. Yeah. In addition to the hunting knives, Fredigan also gives the boys poison. So during this time in history, poison is actually a very extremely uncommon method of murder. Okay. People did not know how to extract poison safely. Um, Can you imagine being the person who found poison and was like, let's do it? <laughs> so the only people who knew how to use the poison were people who knew how to read Greek and Latin and found the old books of antiquity. Yes. Remember Lacusta? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yes. She's like, this is the only reason I learned Latin, honestly. <laughs> so we don't know what the poison was. Um, there's a couple of um, possibilities. One, um, one hypothesis was that it was nightshade. Um, and again, the only way you anyone knew how to extract that safely was through those classical books. Mm -hmm. The other options were cyanide and wolfsbane. But cyanide required a person to ingest it. And Wolfsbane, while very potent, was only potent for a short amount of time. Yeah. Whatever poison Fredigan managed to give the boys worked, as did her plan. Yes. They sneak out of the city during the siege. They make their way to Sigebert's camp, convince the guards they were deserters, and then magically find Sigebert just as he's leaving his tent. You stop it. <laughs> and they had just enough time to smear their knives with the poison and flank the king from both sides before plunging their knives into him. Oh! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> the two slave boys were unceremoniously slain by guards once they saw what happened. Oh, yeah. Sigebert himself collapsed, and he was dead within minutes. I should not be smiling. <laughs> I told you she's so fun! <laughs> oh, for legal reasons, we don't condone murder, but damn! <laughs> Fredigan's plan worked. To this day, no one knows what poison she used, but the most popular speculation is that she was familiar with those medical texts from antiquity. Um, and she had the knowledge needed to extract the poison. 
the speculation kind of adds to the mystery and intrigue. Yeah, she's like, you don't need to know what poison I exactly. use. Just know that I know poisons. And again, don't that's why that's why they were like, yeah, she practices the dark arts. Oh my god, she practices poisons, guys. <laughs> if anything, it's alchemy. <laughs> we have uh, Gregory of Tor to thank for that because he flat out calls the act um, an act of maleficati, which is witchcraft. Sir, calm down. And here's the <laughs> if it was done by a male, it would just be murder. <laughs> here's the interesting thing. Um, about accusing women of witchcraft in this time period. Yeah, it's not great. No, it it was oh. considered a very serious crime to do this without proof. Oh, to... To, to, to make that accuse? accusation. Okay. Yeah. So it was I not... I like that. When did that stop? <laughs> <laughs> Once the church became more powerful. Oh, yeah, the church ruining everything. <laughs> so it was not something casually whispered, and it usually came attached to some kind of legal action. To falsely accuse a woman of witchcraft was also tantamount to slander. People inc- incurred more of a monetary fine for the slander of witchcraft than they did when they assaulted women. Okay, well then. No. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we do have to admit this story has some fantastical elements. Fredigan was at the end of her rope. She was exhausted, traumatized, and still bleeding after having given birth in the middle of a siege. Yet she manages to pull off a miraculous assassination against a king that nearly had her beat. So let's also not forget that she is there because she or her husband murdered someone else. <laughs> oh, 100%. This is all going to be back and forth. Every oh, Everybody man. is guilty. But right now, yay, we have a good job flag for her. <laughs> but yeah, just imagine giving birth in the middle of a siege. And then you're just like, I'm over this. Look, I can't imagine giving birth, period. So right. like, yeah. damn. <laughs> damn. Well, we're just getting started. Oh, no. Pause days. Following the death of Sigebert, Schilperic rushed to the city of Paris to capture Brunhild and her three younger children to prevent any of them from running off to Austrasia. Schilperic managed to capture Brunhild and her two daughters, but Sigebert's four-year-old heir managed to slip away from Schilperic just as he arrived in the city. Kids like, peace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A few weeks later, he is crowned as the new four-year-old king of Austrasia, you guys need to stop doing this. Like <laughs> By a council of advisors that are loyal to Brunhild. Brunhild herself was shipped away to a convent in Rouen, likely the same convent that Schilprick's first wife, Ottavera, had been sent to. Please tell me they plan. Remember Ottavera? Please tell me they plan. Remember how I told you she'd been back? She's like, hey, you too? <laughs> she's, she's back. She's back. <laughs> so. Anya says hi. Yeah. Basically... Um, we don't know for sure that they met, but what happens next really suggests that they probably did meet face to face. I like it. Um, in my version, they do. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, honest too. (laughs) With uh, with Brunhild and Ottavera, it's definitely one of those stories of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And to make a long story short, because I'm going to tell it in full in Brunhild's story. Okay. Um, she and Ottavera schemed to forge a new alliance by marrying Brunhild off to Ottavera's oldest surviving son, <gasps> Maravich. So that's Fredigan's stepson. Okay. Remember I said okay. she had the... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so by now, Fredigan had already gained a reputation for being ambitious and ruthless, and it was generally understood that she would not be content to let her eldest son by Schilprick be relegated to the position of a count or a duke when he came of age. She wanted him to be Schilprick's heir. 
there was just one problem. Um, the four other children? Exactly. Three. Yes. Three. <laughs> so he had three children. Fortunately for Fred again, the eldest of those sons managed to get himself while fighting against Sigebert. So that meant there were just two left. Who died? Yeah, he okay. was killed in battle. Okay. It was actually, um, it's it's told he in... He said get himself and then nothing happened. So I, <laughs> so I didn't oh. write it because um, it doesn't relate to their story too much. It was very tragic. Um, he had been captured before by Sigebert and Sigebert didn't kill him, but he was like, if I let you go, you cannot take arms up against me again or I'll have to kill you. I don't want to, but I'll Aww. have to. And he does and he gets captured and he's killed. He's like, look, asshole, you yeah. tried. <laughs> so Maravich likely saw a marriage to Brunhild as an opportunity to strengthen his own position against his wicked stepmother's plotting his wicked stepmother the problem was that he didn't wait until his father was dead to make his move um, and instead openly plotted rebellion against his father sir. including a botched assassination attempt sir you can't do that <laughs> So Brunhild and Maravich are basically planning this rebellion in her convent that they're oh. married in. And they send oh, an assassin no. off to Schilperich's army. Um, never heard from the assassin again. He was Whoops. likely just caught and killed. What? Maravich planned. He's like, look, I didn't get the witchcraft. <laughs> Maravich proved to be a continual headache for his father over the next two years. Although Maravich's stint with Brunhild managed to gain him a position on the proverbial Game of Thrones, <laughs> he plays his hand a little too soon and is captured almost immediately <laughs> by his father. <laughs> no! So a failed assassination attempt and he got caught. And he's caught. Damn it! He's like, look. <laughs> Shilperic manages to delegitimize the marriage of Brunhild and Maravich on the grounds that it was incest. Because again, technically... <sighs> She was um, Shilperic's sister-in-law, which means his son oh. is her nephew by marriage. Nobody gave a shit about that normally. <laughs> they did at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so we like digressed. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty big deal at the time. Great. So we had it. What they basically <laughs> what they basically did is they were like, the church views this as incest. Is the church going to actually enforce it? Maybe not. But here in Francia, we have a law that says you can't do this. Great. Did Maravich not know that? Maravich? Oh, he did. Oh, okay. Just he was just hoping to kill his father and then be like, yeah, yeah. law doesn't matter. I mean, I guess if you're king, you can make laws. Or From there, Schilperich sends Brunhild back to Austrasia, where she is reunited with her child king, son, the and four-year-old? He, yeah. Probably not four anymore, but um, still. Probably a mistake. He probably shouldn't have let Brunhild go. Spoiler alert. Oh, but, no. <laughs> um, he strips Maravich of his lands and titles and conscripts him to join the church as a priest, effectively oh. removing him from the line of succession. Oh, no. And then he chops his hair off. Oh, I thought he was chops off. Hair is worse. <laughs> Yeah, this is where the shearing of the hair is officially saying you are no longer in the line of succession. All right. It's very aggressive, but okay. Schilperich had hoped that a life of solitude and contemplation would be enough to pacify his son. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but Maravich secured the help of unknown allies within Neustria to secure his escape from the monastery of Le Mans. 
Maravich is on the run at this point, and Shilperic is forced to chase after his son to try and bring him to heel. I mean, did he really think, hey, son, I'm going I'm to put you in a, in a yeah. con- convent for He was like, I chopped your hair off. I chopped your hair off? You don't- That's essentially neutering yeah. you. You're, you're basically done, right? <laughs> like, you won't run, right? And he's like, yeah, no, Dad, definitely not. Won't run. Nope, not at all. <laughs> so this is right around the time we're told that Fredigan is growing impatient. With What? The fact that Shilprick is taking forever to, like, get rid of his son. I feel like. Because <laughs> he's he's starting, it, this is causing a civil war, and it's draining everyone's coffers. Like, it's a problem. I mean, I, I think the war before drained everyone's coffers. <laughs> um, Shilprick would have had reservations about outright killing his rebellious son. What? But Fredigan has no such well, scruples. Of course not. And eventually, she sets out to work behind her husband's back and do the thing he was incapable of doing. Oh, no. At one point, we're told that Fredigan connected with one of Brunhild's former advisors who had been captured while fighting against Schulperk's forces. His name is Duke Boso. Boso! He had a reputation for being a proud member of the old Roman aristocracy and was a formidable enemy on the battlefield. But as dangerous as he was as an enemy, he was said to be even more dangerous as an ally due to his fickle nature. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fredigan is said to have exploited that fact and promised uh, she would remove him from captivity if he helped her in getting rid of Maravich. I'm sorry, when was he in captivity? Why was he in captivity? Did you say that and I missed it? Yeah. Fuck. So she was basically like, hey, can you... Can you befriend Maravich because you're both like captured, right? Oh no! And like <laughs> convince him to go out on a hunting trip with you and then have like a hunting accident. Oh no! <laughs> and she promised him if he was able to do this, she would set him free and let him return to his family in Austrasia. Interesting. Um, but apparently, um, there was a plan that was hatched, but something goes wrong. This is one of the assassination attempts that like Fredigan organized that doesn't quite go as planned. Just a one. <laughs> It's about 50-50 with her. Oh, okay. That's her ratio okay. out of, like, 12 that were officially recorded. Oh, wow. <laughs> we'll okay. get into that. Okay. So, again, with the assassination attempt having failed, Fredigan turned to a different tactic to take down Maravich. So, like, he... They both went on a hunting trip. They were captured. They both went on a hunting trip, and then... Yeah, like, somebody showed up to try and kill him. We don't know exactly what happened, but it just failed. They tried to stab him, and they're like, I'm so sorry, I yeah. tripped. And Maravich was none the wiser. He had no idea somebody was out to kill him. He's just so happy for fresh air. <laughs> so it was clear that Maravich would not be able to move about the kingdom of Neustria without some kind of help. At this point, he's he's escaped. He's able to like move in and out. He can't stay anywhere for too long. But this sort of thing requires money, and it meant that there were traitors in Neustria who were aiding him. Ooh. Fredigan's next objective was exposing Maravich's allies. She's like, only I get to have friends. Exactly. <laughs> and they are the of the murderous type. <laughs> in the end, it was discovered that the bishop who married Brunhild and Maravich back in Rouen was the same man who was receiving money from Brunhild and passing it along to Maravich. Oh, hey now. Fredigan was not the sort of woman who would have hesitated to off a member of the church. Yeah! <laughs> but she had something else in mind for, bis- for Bishop Protextidus. 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 It is... <laughs> Wow. It is one of those kind of words. That's aggressive. (laughs) She wanted to make an example of him as a warning to other members of the church or (laughs) nobility that might have flirted with the idea of turning cloak. She's like, look, don't fuck with me, okay? (laughs) 
So Fredigan and Shulprick had enough evidence to have Protexodus arrested on the charges of high treason. But from there, they turned him over to the church so that he could be tried by a jury of his own peers. And she's like, looks at the church like dead ass, like dagger eyes. She's like, don't fuck this up. You know the the outcome. (laughs) So they do this um, to appear as though the king and queen of Neustria are showing deference to the church. This is what would have been expected. But it's been suggested that Fredigan bribed the bishops so that she would ensure their verdict would be a conviction. She's like, hey, you know who I am? Yeah, I'm the poisoner. Yes. You really want to Yeah. You know, fuck with me? Plus, I have a lot of money. Here you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You need to convict (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have the money, too, if you want money. But, like, for real, I'm the poisoner. (laughs) And fortunately for us, we have an eyewitness account to these events, thanks to Brunhild's trusted ally, Bishop of Tor who was the only (laughs) pro-Austrasian clergyman present for the trial. Okay. Conveniently, his testimony is the only one to survive, and it is from him that we are told the bishops were either bribed or cowed into cooperation. Yeah, well. (laughs) Gregory of Tours tells us that Schoeperich was the face of the conflict, but everyone knew it was the queen who called the shots. And he wrote this. They feared the fury of the queen at whose instigation this was all being done. It's Gregory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of the bishops are the leg writers of this period. Yeah. Gregory of Tours goes on to say that Queen Fredegan even attempted to bribe him as well, but he was, of course, too virtuous oh, to accept of course. such an of offer. Of course. Yes. <laughs> In the end, Fredegan's scheming secured a guilty verdict of treason for Bishop Protextidus, who was promptly exiled from the church. But don't worry. <laughs> Bishop Protextidus will also be back. God. Remember the name. It's hard to forget. <laughs> it, it won't be in this episode, but he will be back. Oh, okay, okay. With the exile of Protextidus went Maravich's support. Maravich was captured not long after by his father's army. His situation was so dire that Maravich understood he likely would not get away with another light sentence of exile to a monastery. Yeah, dude. You had your one chance. When his father arrived to take him into custody, he was facing his own charges of treason now. Knowing what his fate had in store for him, Maravich turned to one of his companions and said, I beg you not to allow me to fall into the hands of my enemies. Take my sword and kill me. Oh my god. By the time Schulberg arrived on the scene, his second son was now dead. Damn. Fredigan did not take direct credit for his death, but her growing dark reputation lent to a series of darker rumors. Gregory of Tours helped to fan the flames of gossip, writing that there were some who said these last words of Maravich were invented by the queen and that he was murdered in secret at her command. Wow. With Maravich gone, Fredigan only had one more stepson to get out of the way. We can only imagine the mixed feelings Schoeperich must have had following the death of Maravich, and his grief would be compounded by the loss of another son not long after. Oh no. And this time, Fredigan would also know his grief. That same year, Fredigan and their young son, Samson, did the thing we tell so many people <gasps> from this era not to do. He drank the water! Oh, no. They they both drank unclean water. They both got sick. Fredigan survived. Both kids or the kid and the mom? Uh, Fredigan and Samson. Okay. Um, Fredigan survives. Can you imagine getting sick with your son and you survive? That would be terrible. Yeah. 
uh, Samson is not so lucky. This is the same son that was born during the siege. Oh, no. The tragedy does not end there. The civil war fought between Shoprik and Maravich had finally come to an end, but it was followed by one of the wettest years in recorded history. Flooding quickly spread across Europe, and in Neustria, the flooding was so bad that latrines were overflowing in the streets uh. and, contam- and contaminating local wellsprings. We joke about don't drink the water, there's dead bodies in it, but in this case, it was much worse than that. Oh, no. This time, there were, there were feces also polluting the water. Oh, no. And an epidemic of dysentery spread across the land. Oh, Anya. <laughs> She's wailing like the mothers yeah. who've lost She's their very children. Upset. Oh, she's giving us background noise. <laughs> so there there's this is one of the largest recording recorded epidemics of dysentery in history. Damn, that sucks. Um, and this epidemic was especially deadly to children and the elderly. Oh. Not long after losing Samson, Fredigan's infant son Dagobert also became sick. Of dysentery. This is another son? Yeah. Oh, okay. She's got, I think, four at this point. You look at your... Oh, yeah. I have a... You see the little little babies? The little babies. These are the children. I didn't Wow, they got no details. (laughs) (laughs) Or names. Um, You guys, she literally just has little stick figures. They don't even have eyes or hair or anything. They don't. (laughs) I know, Anya. This is terrible. (laughs) Like many people of the era, Fredigan was deeply superstitious. <laughs> she's like, oh, woe is us. We have you, lost you guys, our children. She's a banshee. Just let it happen. <laughs> Having lost one son and now faced with the possibility of losing another, she came to believe that her family's illness was a punishment from God for her sins. Not the sin of murder, but another one altogether. The oh, sin of greed. What? So, I mean, I guess technically greed was attached to the murders. Okay, well, okay, well. there's more to it than that. Oh, no. so. <laughs> Six years of civil war had devastated the economy in Neustria and drained Schulperich's coffers. To replenish those coffers, Schulperich established an aggressive and devastating tax policy on his people. Oh, good. It got so bad in some areas that people killed tax collectors in the streets and burned tax registers in protest of the policies. Schilprick <laughs> responded ruthlessly, no. torturing and killing anyone who openly protested his taxes, dude, including members of the church. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why I was like, it's more than that. Oh <laughs> it's bad. I mean, yes, that's terrible. <laughs> Fredigan is recorded as having said, it is the tears of the poor, the outcries of the widows, and signs of orphans that are destroying my boys. To make amends with God and to save her son's life, Fredigan burned all the tax registers for the cities given to her for her dowry, and she forgave all tax debt for her citizens. Oh, wow. Okay. But despite these efforts, Fredigan's infant son, Dagobert, still succumbed to his illness. Oh, no. Almost immediately after Dagobert died, Fredigan's oldest son, Clodebert, also died of the same disease. Oh, my God. Wait, she lost all four kids? Three at this oh. point. There's going to be a fourth. Oh, no. Um, He's only nine years old, and he was the last surviving son by Chilprick. Wow. That's kind of sad. That's really sad, actually. Oh, it gets worse. No. <laughs> this old story oh, God. gets worse. Does she, okay. blame, does she turn around and blame the people now? 
Oh, Ani says yes. Oh, God. <laughs> a medieval queen's position in court depended entirely upon her ability to provide heirs and keep them alive. Fredigan was down to just one child, a girl named Rigunt, and in Frankish lands, a girl meant nothing because she was barred from inheriting the throne. If that's the only one you have, like... They have the Salic law. I don't think it's um, been codified yet, but it prevents women from inheriting the throne, period. (sighs) At all. I would fight whoever made that a law. (laughs) You too? I know. It's very upsetting. Very novel today. (laughs) She's like, I haven't been on the podcast in a while, and they must hear me. They must know of my presence. We've decided Anya is Fredigan reincarnated. Yeah. (laughs) Fredigan's position had never been so precarious, especially now that she was approaching the ripe old age of 30, when her childbearing years were slowly dwindling away. Very upset. (laughs) Telling you, she's Fredigan. Anya slash Fredigan is very upset. Shilperic and Fredigan were devastated to have lost so many of their children in such a short time. That kind of hurts. A little bit. A little bit. Shilperic was down to just one son named Clovis, his last child by Audivera. Oh, I was like, I thought you said the old guy. Just kidding. It's the All one of by Fredigan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. So, I got there. Yep. Most women in Fredigan's position might have seen their influence diminish with the death of their last son, but Fredigan's sway and hold over Shilperic only seemed to intensify. At one point, Fredigan managed to convince Shilperic to send Prince Clovis to a city that had been hit especially hard by the epidemic of dysentery. Sending Clovis to this town was the equivalent of a death sentence. Yeah, what? <laughs> they would have understood the contagion rate was likely to kill him. Uh, but Shilperic sends him anyway. He's just so under Fredigan's sway. Yeah. <sighs> wow. he's, he's going there to like present alms and like help the poor and the sick, presumably. Um, but Clovis surprises Fred again, uh, and he survives. He's like, fuck you. He gets sick and he survives. (laughs) Oh no. So people viewed his survival as a sign of God's favor. Prince Clovis was clearly the divine. (laughs) He's clearly the divine chosen successor to the kingdom of Neustria. You'll remember the original Merovingian king was also named Clovis. Yeah. So they're literally like, this is a sign. Oh, okay. I can, I can see how you might connect the dots. Also, another random note. Uh, Clovis somehow becomes the name Louis, and this is why Louis is so popular of a monarch's how name. How do you fuck that up? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. Fredigan, predictably, was not content with this so-called sign from God. And she's like, fuck your sign. Having prayed for her son's survival and repented her own sins, she thought it highly suspicious that Clovis managed to survive plague-infested towns unscathed while her children died. She's like in her, like at her bedside praying, and she's like, "Hey, wrong son. Yeah, wrong one. I don't like that one. I wanted that one gone. Like I sent that one there on purpose. If yeah, no one can see this, but I'm talking to the ceiling. Uh, <laughs> she is praying to God. Yeah, I'm praying to as God right Fredigan now. would. <laughs> Fredigan was well-versed in being accused of witchcraft, and it was now her turn to make the accusation. The target had been one of Clovis's favorites, another serving girl that Fredigan may have seen glimpses of herself in. Honestly, I thought you were like, she accused herself of witchcraft. (laughs) I was like, well, all right. Not this time. (laughs) So one of his favorite handmaids. He has a handmaid? A servant. One of his favorite servants. That was his mistress. Okay. I'm going to give you a disclaimer for the next five minutes. Oh, no. 
it's gonna get ugly. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. Honestly, it's gonna get pretty bad for the rest of the episode. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So sorry. <laughs> uh, We're just retelling history. <laughs> heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get a chocolate bar or something. So Fred again has the girl captured. Her hair is hacked off, and her face is disfigured. <gasps> why yeah she then had the girl tied to a stake publicly so that clovis would see her the girl's mother was also accused of witchcraft she confessed to witchcraft after enduring days of torture and then was subsequently burned at the stake during her confession she also revealed that she was working with prince clovis to cast spells on fredigan's sons so that they would get sick and die it's been (sighs) largely um accepted that she was likely being fed yeah. this story while being tortured. Yeah. <laughs> so that They're like, Fred hey, this again... will stop if you say this. Yeah. <laughs> Clovis was in prison for treason after that and given over to Fred again for more questioning. Oh, come on. There's no questioning. Just torture. Not long after he was imprisoned, it was reported that Prince Clovis was found dead in his ste- in his cell after having stabbed himself with a knife. No Convenient. one... No one seemed to question the fact that he was also found with his hands still tied behind his back or the fact that he died while in Fredigan's custody. Wow. Why was he in custody? Because he was, uh, it was a conspiracy with the witches to cast a curse on Fredigan's sons. Okay. That was, he's like, what? The excuse she used so she could get rid of him. I'm sorry. And her husband was like, yeah, that's totally normal. It gets worse. Uh Oh. Prince Clovis's mother, Audavera, was seized from her convent and killed. She's like, what? I have just been here praying to the Lord and abstaining from sex. Like, what? Oh, no. Fredian also sent her soldiers to retrieve Audavera and Shulprick's last surviving daughter <gasps> named Basina. And it's been suggested that she had her soldiers sexually assault her. I told you she is not good it's hard because I mean, this story comes to us from like Gregory yeah of but you could all i mean soldiers back in that day do not need to be told to rape women either yes so it could have just been that they did it and then this and guy then, was like oh look she told him and to. then they blamed it on fred again yeah. there's no way for us to know but we do know she wiped it's out not great to be a woman in this time yeah, we for we, sure know that. We do know for sure Fredigan made sure that Audavera and her family were dealt with. Ugh. Here's an interesting thing on Basina. She does go on to live. She's basically sent to a convent, and at one point she leads a revolt of nuns. <laughs> God, yes. That involves attacking a couple of bishops and organizing a siege at an abbey that those bishops were trapped in. Because of this, she gets excommunicated from the church. I love her. So there's so as I, I am was, in love with her. As Are we going to tell her story, even if it's no, just a really there's, short one? There's so Damn. there's so many women. There's also there's also another queen running around in a convent who I feel like her story could be told. Yeah, her name is Radigand. She was um, Sigebert and Shilperic's stepmother. Yeah. She was the last queen of King Clothar. And she put herself in a convent. Oh, she did not want to have sex with him. She wanted <laughs> nothing to do with oh, him. Yes. Sends like, herself mm. to a convent. He tries to retrieve Radigan, and she's like, no. no. 
immediately no. And she she was just like, I want nothing to do with you. Do not touch me. I have given myself over yes. to God. I am his bride. She'll go on to rule as like the queen in the convent for 20 years. And she is also one of the most influential women of this time period. Isn't it like an abtros or something like that? Yes. Or a- abbess. Abbess. Yeah, abatros. I, <laughs> I believe she was an abbess too. I could tell her story. Like the Merovingian women were a different breed. Maybe we have an episode after these episodes about just like those women. Maybe. Like honorable like the mentions. Other, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Radigan could be her own short story. Oh, yeah. She's She's very interesting. Sorry, we digress into <laughs> awesome women. <laughs> Fredigan's position continued to be precarious. She's still young enough to have children, so this becomes her number one task. She needs to have more babies. She needs to have the babies. In the meantime, Shulperic was now without an heir. The nearest family relative to him um, who can inherit is the son by Brunhild and Sigebert, which was uh, the brother that Fredigan killed. Yeah. So their son is named Schildebert. He's King Schildebert II of Austrasia now. Okay. He's, he's a kid. He's like six or seven. Yeah, fine. They can rule now. <laughs> At one point, Schilperich does actually name Schildebert as his heir. Oh, no. I bet that pissed off our girl. <laughs> I so, can't remember her name, so I'm so sorry. Fredigan? Fredigan. I just, <laughs> I'm like, I get the F and then I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Freddie, it's such a, it's, it's a very unusual name. You it don't is. hear it today. It is. <laughs> so interesting note on that. Brunhild and Fredigan remained um, uncharacteristically quiet by this announcement. And as I was... They're both plotting. <laughs> no, as I was yeah. reading the book, um, the suggestion was made that even though they're both vengeful and scheming, they're still very practical when it came to politics. Okay. So um, Fredigan knew, unless she produces an heir, there's literally no one else to claim the throne. Yeah. So until she produces an heir, she's just like, fine, whatever. Yeah, you're going to have your stay in the spotlight for five. <laughs> Literally five minutes yeah. because oh, no. <laughs> our girl Fredigan is still fertile as fuck. <laughs> okay, she's like, look. <laughs> Less than a year after Schildebert was named as heir, Fredigan was pregnant again. She gave birth to a healthy boy named Thuderic. Damn, girl. She's like, did it. <laughs> um, but unfortunately no. for the couple... Oh, no. Theodoric does not live past his first or second year. Oh, uh, no. And he, too, is claimed by dysentery. Oh, come on. Stop giving your kids water. <laughs> that sounds horrible. In less than nine years, dysentery claims all four of her sons. That's so sad. Yeah. They say that grief affects people in different ways. Some people get crazy violent. Yeah. <laughs> so one can only imagine the sort of grief Fredigan experienced following the death of Theodoric. It was said that Fredigan nearly lost her mind following his death. And just as she saw witchcraft and sorcery in the deaths of Clodebert and Dagobert, a similar fear popped up again. I feel but, like at this point it's a paranoia. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this time it evolves into a full-blown conspiracy. Oh, yeah. And the grief of a mother who lost four sons turns into a tyrannical witch hunt <gasps> that targeted all of the healers and midwives of Paris. You cannot do that. According to them? the sources, Fredigan had several healers rounded up and tortured. Did they even have anything to do with? Oh my God. Nope. Woman. Gregory of Tours writes to us. Look, Gregory, we don't need your the help following. on this. <laughs> We're all mad. <laughs> Fredigan had these poor wretches tortured in an even more inhumane way, cutting off the hands of some, 
burning others alive and breaking the bones of the rest on the wheel. Oh, no. The witch hunts of Paris would become the source of several medieval manuscripts and paintings due to the widespread brutality. Uh. Fredegan is generally written off as becoming a queen blind with vengeance and villainy. The chroniclers never take the time to consider what the combination of grief and widespread superstition would have influenced in her. Yeah, because they're all men and... Well, it's not just that. Christianity, the very core... And, and we're in early Christianity. The very core is when bad shit happens, it's because the devil's involved. Yeah. So when you have that kind of superstition bred into you yeah. and you mix it with grief, yeah. this is what happens. Uh. What many people didn't know at the time was that Fredigan was also pregnant again. <gasps> okay, so that, that doesn't help. She's blind with fear. Yeah. Right now. So and hormones. <laughs> She was in the third trimester of her pregnancy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Always the third trimester. Maybe just put her on bed rest in the third trimester. Be like, don't do anything. Nothing can be done. Let's just have this baby and call it a day. <laughs> and she's likely terrified that death would visit her doorstep again. Well, maybe if you stop pissing karma off and killing people for no reason. <laughs> this does not excuse her actions, but it might explain that why her parano- paranoia was so strong. Yeah. Following the death of Thuderic... She had all of his things burned. Um, it's generally believed you did that so that if you have another child, like the, the illness doesn't pass yeah, to him. The death doesn't cling to your home. <laughs> yes. Fredigan would end up giving birth to another healthy baby boy one month later. Can you, can you just imagine for a second the fear of like, yeah, you're happy you have a kid, but now like you're immediately just like overwhelmed by that fear. Well, and it's not just that, like they truly believe the devil was at hand here and people were using the dark arts to conspire against them. Um, They were so terrified that they might be a target of this conspiracy. They do not announce the baby's birth nor give him a name for several months. Yeah. That's so sad. This child would eventually be named Clothar. He will become the future King Clothar II. Oh, good. So he survives. Great. He does survive. I don't know. Until six, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. True. Oh, God. Outside of Clothar. Born and named. (laughs) Has not been named yet. Oh, shit. He's He's not. I'm just letting you know that. Okay. To let you kind (laughs) of. The little baby boy has been born. Yes. We're all waiting for him to die, apparently. Outside of Clothar, the only other child born to Fredigan to make it to adulthood was her daughter, Rigun. Shilperic and Fredigan kept their daughter in reserve until a suitable alliance presented itself. I kept her in reserve. Yes. <laughs> we were like, we may need her because it's kind of like, if you remember what happened with um, Sabella, they kind of knew if they married her off to someone, that person would likely be the king. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of one of those things. <laughs> so at this point in our story, Fredigan's rival, Brunhild, also has a daughter, and she's already married her daughter off to one of the Visigoth princes from her homeland. This is done to reestablish that alliance. Yeah. Alliance. Alliance between her kingdom and um, Visigoth Vi- Spain. Visigoth sounds like it's made up. I know. Like, it it's sounds like I've just okay. read it in a fantasy book. I don't know if you know this, but literally all words are made up. <laughs> no, I'm aware. But, like, this doesn't sound like it should be real in our time, in our, like, yeah our worlds it sh- <laughs> sounds like there should be dragons 
and fae and well, all sorts of That's where the word things. goth comes from. Look, Initially. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so Fred again and Shilprick, they're like, we got to do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. that's a very powerful kingdom. Their daughter's like, no, you don't. Oh no, she wants to. Oh okay. She we're not. She's gonna, like, I need to get away from you. Your karma's bad. Yes, we, we're not going to talk about Rigunth in this episode, but she's a character in the. Oh next okay. One. Um, so, uh, I didn't write the names down because they're not that important. But they marry or they arrange wow. a marriage, uh, to like the brother half brother of the dude that Brunhild's daughter married. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just another Visigoth prince because they want a Neustrian counterpart. Yeah, but how does that work? Like, Visigoth so, is just like, we like you both. And so, they're like, no, you can't. Okay, I don't have time to tell <laughs> the story of the Visigoth kingdom. Yeah. Brunhild's mother is her own beast in yes. that kingdom. She yes. is the one that is moving all the chess pieces. So okay. she is in constant civil war with her stepson. So it's usually like, I think it was maybe her grandchild who she married off to Brunhild's daughter. Mm-hmm. So that again, incest. Yum. <laughs> um, and then I think her, I think it was her stepson that marries, um, or that's engaged to Rigunt. Okay. So basically they're pitted against one another. So when Rigunth is sent off to Hispania with her entourage, Fredegan arranged for 50 carts full of silver, gold, and other goods from her own personal coffers to serve as part of Rigunth's dowry. Whoa. <laughs> She's doing this to basically be like, this is the wealth of Neustria yeah. that you are marrying. Um, I am the one you want. <laughs> yeah. Not bad for a former slave. Yeah. 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 And this was, and those carts, those 50 cartfuls are like just a sliver of her wealth. Oh my God. (laughs) And they were taxing their people to the point of despair. Great. (laughs) So by now, Fredegund is no stranger to tragedy. Oh no. She might've hoped that the birth of Clothar and the marriage of Rigunth meant the start of more favorable times and the series of unfortunate events was at last behind her. But fate has something else in mind for Fredegund. So a couple things happen. Um, as Rigunth and her train of goods is passing uh, through Frankish lands towards Hispania, she gets about a week before the border and back by Fredegund. Shulprick is returning from a hunting trip. An assassin shows up. And kills him. Oh as no! He literally, like I thought you were gonna say something happened to the daughter. I was like, God damn it! Well, oh no. So, <laughs> so as this is happening, chaos breaks out. Yes. So he's killed. Fr- uh, Fred is panicking. Yeah. And um, why? Because the heir's like four months <laughs> and doesn't even have a name nobody, and hasn't even been announced. <laughs> no, he, he hasn't even been announced. <laughs> um, on top of that, oh no! So like someone could say it's a bastard son. We're not there yet. Okay. But, but, yeah. So, as this is happening, Rigunt's, like, train is intercepted by soldiers. Um, Also, as this is happening, because there's just so many goods and carts, um, her slaves and servants and the soldiers are slowly, like, picking it off and leaving. And she gets about 
a week before crossing the border to her betrothed and she's intercepted by soldiers she is captured and taken to a convent and um but why is why did we just keep putting women in convents it doesn't work it's just what they did at the time i know but it doesn't work they did at the time (laughs) and in the meantime the king of neustria is dead that's a lot she so our girl freddie's like no I'm not going to tell the whole story of this. Okay. I'm going to set it up for the next episode because we're going to pick oh, up okay. with it. But many chroniclers of the time, and by many chroniclers, I mean Gregory of Tor. Oh, so <laughs> the one biased chronicler. Okay. <laughs> they openly speculate that Fredigan was the source of the assassination. The death is eerily reminiscent of the assassination made against Shilprick's brother, Sigebert. It's literally a drunk servant coming up to stab him in the middle of onlookers with, like, a tiny knife. And I think it was even poisoned. I get the connection, but, like, what does she have to gain? Nothing. Like, Nothing. Stop so, blaming things on her if she doesn't even have anything to gain from it. So the speculation from Gregory of Tours and his cronies suggests that Fredigan had been caught in an adulterous affair um, literally, like, in the act by Shulprick, and she was acting out of fear that he was going to either cast her aside or have her killed honestly in my mind i went to he was having an affair and she was like oh really like oh no that's because he is the actual proven adulterer i'm just saying but it's as you said fredigan's in an even more precarious position now she is the mother of an infant king that nobody knows about oh no and whoever manages to get to her and her son first would likely physically take him into custody and the kingdom with him yeah so Fredigan immediately makes off with all of Shilprick's treasure and she flees with her infant son to the cathedral in Paris and demands sanctuary. Oof. Once barricaded behind the safety of the cathedral, Fredigan bunkered down and prepared herself for a siege. Uh, I imagine her as uh, Esmeralda from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Or do you remember um, in The White Queen when oh, yeah. they go into sanctuary? Hell yeah. So right now, the kingdom of Neustria is now open for the taking. And this is where we're going to pause. You're a monster. That's a terrible cliffhanger. The story of Freddie. Well, you want to know what happens, right? (laughs) I do. (laughs) It was really hard. I was trying to figure out a good stopping place, but like, it's like Freddie and the queen. And then what happens after? Yeah. Which is a lot. Isn't this story Oh my God. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? Literally one thing after the other. Like, you're just like, this can't get worse. Yeah, no, it does. Definitely it does. So much Def- worse. People get their hair cut off. It's terrible. <laughs> oh my god! Like gosh. people die because of dirty water. People get their hair cut off. Like yeah. which one's worse? I don't know. <laughs> There's poisonous blades. Um, I just have. A, I just feel like with what we've learned about Fredigund yeah. so far, I'm really happy that I have it written down. Um, I feel like, like her she... little poison bottle. Yeah, I know. I love it. I feel like she even in rage would be strategic. Like, oh God, yeah. I just feel like she is not the type it of person would not to have lose been herself this to chaotic. rage. Yeah. 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 Like if she wanted the king dead, she would have been like, okay, this happened. Watch it. And then like, he would have been also peeing been like, in his pants. Like, she would have also been like, she would have made sure he didn't just die within minutes, which yeah. is what happened to Shilprick. It she would have set been, it up so that she would have gotten something yes, from the death. Like, he would have been, like, dying in bed, and she would have had, like, paper for him to sign to be like, yeah. give me the kingdom. Babe, give I'm me the keys you to of the kingdom. Sign this dotted line. We can use your blood if you want. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like this. Yeah. yeah, that's that, for me, is, I'm like, 
it makes no sense. Yeah. She literally like women in this era, it, their power and their safety was completely dependent on the men in their lives. Yeah. Her son is not old enough yeah. to protect her. Yeah. So. She literally didn't announce the birth of her son. Because she was so scared. Because she was worried about him. Yeah. She's not going to go kill the husband while the son's still like, I'm not really in existence. Like, yep. I don't know why that had to happen weirdly. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to leave us on that note, though. Oh, thank God. Okay. Because we're going to we're gonna play a game at the end of each Fredigan episode. I don't like games. Okay, and this game <laughs> is called, How Bad Was She? Oh, Okay. <laughs> So what evidence do we have for how bad Fredigan was? So first, she murdered a lot of people. (laughs) So I found this article online that it was hilarious, and I um I I pulled out a part of it because it it made me laugh, and I was like, this is the perfect setup for Fredigan. So the article is from badassoftheweek.com slash Fredigan, and it goes as such. It goes a little something like this. Fredigan was truly an utterly bloodthirsty vengeance machine who rested at nothing short of completely over-the-top torture deaths of all those who stood in her path, obliterating dumbasses across the continent of Europe until every single human being, from king to bishop to peasant, who stupidly wound up on her bad side, immediately found themselves face down in a pool of their own blood, surrounded by knife-wielding assassins, poisonous beverages, and or well-shaped instruments of painful and horrible mutilation. So they started off strong. Yeah, it was it was a hilarious article. <laughs> I'm sorry, were they you. serious? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> serious article, guys. So here's the story I'm going to set up for you. Okay. Fredigan was used to rumors about her. In addition to openly mocking her humble origins, she was also publicly accused of sorcery and murder habitually. And we know for a fact that at least one of those is true. Yeah. (laughs) But there was one rumor she could not abide by um, at all. And that was the accusation of adultery. Yeah. To accuse a medieval queen of adultery put to question the paternity of her children and potential heirs. At one point, Fredigan's arch nemesis, Gregory of Tours, was accused of spreading rumors about Fredigan committing adultery. To besmirch the queen's honor in this manner earned him a trial where he was to prove his innocence. So to make a long story short, um, it's proven that he was not the source of these rumors, but the person who accused him ended up, they find out it was, he was the dude who did it. Oh, good. His name was Count Ludist. And he was a rival of Gregory of Gregory of Tours, so he oh knew my God. to accuse him of this wow. meant like he would likely get it would be smirch his name, yes. yes. Even if it wasn't found guilty, he would still be like. <laughs> so Gregory of Tours eventually proven innocent, and he's let go. I'm sure Fredigan was like, "Ugh, fine." <laughs> the count this time <laughs> Count Ludus was excommunicated, and he immediately goes on the run after um, everyone finds out that he was the one that started the rumors. <laughs> Because he's terrified of Fredigan. Yeah. <laughs> Fredigan was not able to get her hands on him right away, but she was a woman who played the long game better than anyone. Yeah. Which again is why I'm like, she didn't kill her husband that quickly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Years after the trial, Fredigan's soldiers managed to capture Count Ludus. After several days of being tortured, he confessed to starting the rumors. Fredigan ordered the torturers to place a bar of iron under his neck and then to strike his throat with another bar of iron. Oh my god. Count Ludus's silver tongue had been the source of rumors des- designed to undermine Queen Fredigan, 
She made sure that when he died, he died gasping for air and unable to speak. Oh my god. She She's a terrible person. But like, oh my god. Yeah. She that's why I say she's very similar to Elizabeth Bathory. She tailored yeah. the torture methods to whatever crime she why accused would you them of. This woman? Why on God's green earth would you be like, I would like to piss this woman off? She sounds like she would be fun to piss off. It doesn't sound like it will go bad for me in any way. Yeah. Jesus. So. <laughs> That's, wow. is that insane? We have more of those stories coming. It hurts now. <laughs> like, I need a scarf or something. So, really quick. Jesus. Some of the pictures. Oh, she's got pictures. So, this is one of the paintings that show. Well, um, very dramatic. I love Gal it. Swintha being strangled. Ooh. And this is like Fred again um, browbeating her <laughs> husband to be like, you need to do this. We'll have these I online. I should not laugh at that, but here we are. Um, these are images of Fred again burning the witches, the witches of Paris. Oh, that's sad. That's actually terrible. And then the last one is just a painting of yet again somebody else accusing her of with a very aggressive pointer finger and she's literally <laughs> she's literally just lounging like okay yeah. sure jam <laughs> and that's an official I think, yes um, look at that strawberry blonde hair yep hell yeah i like it very aggressive so yeah this that looks is... like jesus <laughs> it does. well that's because it's the merovingian kings they had the <laughs> the hair so yeah wow <laughs> what did what did I tell you? You did. You Fucking did, crazy. You did tell me. You Insane tell me. story. Jesus. And we're not done. You guys get to wait two weeks. We're not done. Two whole weeks. Wait, I get to wait two whole weeks too. Damn Unless it. you want to record next week and then you'll have it. It's up to you. <laughs> I'm sure you're not going to forget her now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How are we doing? Not great. Not <laughs> it great. <gets> worse. <laughs> like, it, it gets fun, but it, it, it's just like, how? What? How are you able to get away with this? Yeah, boys. <laughs> Ma'am. <laughs> oh, my um, God. I will say uh, the rivalry between her and uh, Brunhild will kind of start to amp up now. But, yeah. Wow. Lots of fun stuff coming. That's crazy. Lots more of, like, yeah, just more of that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> more just torture oh. and, and death and assassination. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you did tell um, me <laughs> guys i would just like to point out that the book she uses her sources its tagline is literally the bloody 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 jesus hold on <laughs> the bloody rivalry that forged the medieval world gotcha. the dark queens the dark queens That's by shelly um i think it's Puhak. Puhak, yeah that is my main source for the next few episodes oh, yeah. in addition to the book i also read badassoftheweek.com slash read again and use the wikipedia the wikipedia hell yeah Woo. that was good that was a lot <laughs> was very aggressive a lot to digest <laughs> are we doing <laughs> ready for the next episode for sure <laughs> um yeah i i mean all of the episodes like, like i said brunhild is not quite this fun but it's still a very good story yeah it's a very good story, and I, I'm kind of glad we started with Fred again. I wasn't trying to steer you in that direction, but I was just like... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad we started with her, too, because yeah. that would have... Yeah. He sets it up very, very nicely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't play with the toy. Did we, did we come up with a random-ass question? <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> um, 
Um, okay, so random question time, kind of piggybacking off what we did in our last episode. I what feel is... like it's mandatory for this one. <laughs> yeah, we need some we need some sunshine yeah. after that darkness. So what is one thing that brought you joy this past week? Am I going first? Is that what you're staring at me? Mm-hmm. All expectantly and shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so mine was I went to a book signing for mm. uh, Adeline Grace and Alexander Bracken. It was a very fun book signing. Uh, the Changing Hands bookstore out in Tempe. If you guys have never been there, it's a long-ass fucking drive, but it's out there. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. I always love book signings, and I always love meeting authors. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you had some interesting interactions when we were talking about it. And yeah. It's nice to meet the people who inspire you. Yeah, they and... were really sweet. And then, yeah, the, the questions were fun and interesting. And then um, spent way too much money on books. But, again, not mad because it's a local bookstore and – and you're supporting them and you get to read and it's something you enjoy and now i have signed books and the joy continues yeah (laughs) (laughs) um for me mine is probably um the dinner yesterday okay so i think i've mentioned i moved my mom out here a few months ago um and for people who've been listening to the podcast for a while you know that my dad passed away last year so this past 13 months at this point has been really, really hard and moving my mom out here, kind of helping her has fallen all on me, but I had a coworker, um, kind of see the struggle I was going through and she suggested to meet with her husband and we all met for dinner and, um, it went really well. And it seems like we're going to have a little bit more of a support system for my mom. So that was, just, just seeing the kindness of strangers, especially in, in nowadays. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and um, just being reminded that there are really good people out there who do care and yeah. who will help when they're able. It was, it was very, um, it was good, and it, it just, it, I felt very supported, and yeah. I know my mom did too. So that was definitely awesome. my moment of joy. Yeah. Thanks, coworker. You're great. Yes, if you listen, you are amazing. <laughs> She, it, I don't know if she does, but if, if you are listening, like, I, I so appreciate you. You have Hell no yeah. idea. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Sweet. Very nice. We Very, had good weeks. We did. Okay. It's going to continue. Hell yeah. I, I was joking with you earlier that apparently, like, every planet is in retrograde right now. And, like, everyone's <laughs> been going through chaos. I'm like, I clearly yeah, just, like, chaos is my jam because yeah. I have had the best week. Like, <laughs> I haven't had I any know. craziness. I'm like, I'm just in the eye of the hurricane. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, sure. the hurricane. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Singing yeah, Hamilton so. again. <laughs> <laughs> I was very scared that I would, like, have more chaos. And I'm, like, actually finding that I'm, like, settling down after, like, that's good. I'm all the craziness there in my life. There you go. That's another, that's another thing to be grateful for this yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. Finding our center and yeah. our balance. Indeed. Yeah. Well. All right. You have been listening to Difficult Damsels. Uh, Difficult Damsels. Um, you can help. And support our podcast, as always, by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you are listening to this podcast. With your your ear holes. (laughs) (laughs) And you can reach us at difficult.damsels at gmail.com if you have... Sorry. Sorry, I was like real into it. I was ready. (laughs) I was just going to say, if you you have Uh... suggestions for women to cover or you want to criticize me on my French. Don't you fucking dare. (laughs) Where else can they find us? Uh, now I'm now I've lost it. We're on the social media. I was I'm all, so sorry. I was all fucking tired. Ready. Like, this has been a long episode. <laughs> We're on done. 
uh, what are we on? Facebook and Instagram. Yes. At Difficult Dances, the podcast. 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 Yeah. We do yeah. a podcast. Yeah. Woo. We're, we're podcasting we're cats. Podcasters. <laughs> no. If you stick around and listen long enough and cats up to it, you might get like two minutes of screaming from Anya. <laughs> she- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who is the, we've decided she's the reincarnated soul of Fred again. She was wailing. Yes, she does that often. <laughs> she was also throwing a temper tantrum because oh she wasn't allowed outside and she is an outdoor cat, according to her. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, just as Anya and Fred again would do, maybe not Fred again. Yeah. Stay difficult. Stay difficult, but don't murder people. Yeah, please murder don't. Murder is bad. And don't, don't drink the water. Don't drink the water. Yeah. Dead bodies. Maybe boil it if you're gonna drink it. I don't know. Definitely boil the water. Put some fucking but lavender like, in it or stick something. Stick with beer or something. Because the water, yeah, not great. Yeah. <laughs> A mini. <laughs> what? Right there. Stop. No. <laughs> Another great blooper. Stop it. <laughs> wow. Wow! Wow! That's Fredigan. I'm telling you, Fredigan is like reincarnated into Anya. She's like, like, you don't know my name! Anya, but why? For why? Oh, Oh, man. Okay. I think she's done. No, she's not. Okay. Anya, you're not going outside. Oh my god, you were so mouthy today. <laughs> oh, okay. Whew. She's very mad that she can't go outside right now. Anya! <laughs> She's not happy. Uh. <laughs> Anya! This whole segment can be a blooper. You don't even need to edit it. This is our life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay. Are you done? <laughs> oh my god. She's having a full tantrum. Oh my god. Oh my god. If anyone wants to argue that kids and animals are not on the same fucking <laughs> scale, come at me. <laughs> Cat is having a tantrum. <laughs> God, I'm just lucky she can't throw things at me, I guess. <laughs> I'm <laughs> crying. <laughs> oh, shit. I think she... I really do think she's done. <laughs> what am I? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. God. It's my cat. I love her. <laughs> okay. Uh. <sighs>